You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. Axe Church is located in Camas, Washington. You can find out more about us at www.axecamas.org. Check out our other sermons and podcasts. You can find them on iTunes Podcasts, SoundCloud, and our website. This sermon was preached by Pastor David Robinson, who is the teaching pastor at Axe Church. We hope you enjoy the sermon, and we hope that the Lord blesses you through it. He is risen. I knew you'd learn that. Um, That's good. Romans 5 tells us that through Adam, the first man, sin came into the world. And death spread to all men because all men sinned. I want to tell you about a man that I know. Um, There was a man, he was born into a good home. He had good parents. They loved him. He was taught right from wrong. He was clothed, he was fed, he was taken care of. He grew older, as people do, and he turned away from what his parents taught him. He became self-absorbed and selfish and prideful and immature. He was a seeker of pleasure. He was thoughtless about the evil things that he did. He was a liar and a thief. He's a fornicator and a drunk, and a drug abuser. And according to scripture, he was a murderer and an adulterer. He was the kind of man that no one would want to be close to if they knew his depravity. Although he would convince himself that he was all right. This man was walking around lost in the world. And then there came another man that was not like the first man at all. He was kind and selfless and thoughtful. He was a a, a good man. He was a servant. He was a, a healer. He was a friend. He lifted up the brokenhearted. He cared about people. He loved people. He was perfect. He was the kind of man that everyone would want to be close to if they could see the perfection and the love and the peace in his heart. And the paths of these two men crossed. The good man showed the bad man what goodness and perfection looked like. And as a result of seeing that, the bad man was broken to his core. The bad man was filled with fear and shame and depression, all those things with which he deserved to be filled. The bad man cried out to the good man to help him. He cried on his face on the ground in despair and hopelessness. And the good man explained that the bad man's actions and thoughts and attitudes of his heart deserve death. And the bad man knew that the good man was right. He knew it right down to his soul. But the bad man knew something more. He knew that a good God could never accept a man like himself, a man that was so dirty and defiled and ugly in his heart. And the good man confirmed this to the bad man, that a good God could never accept him in his condition. But the good man, who is Jesus Christ, had more to say. He said, David, I love you. I've always loved you. From the moment I formed you in your mother's womb, I have loved you. 
I knew you before the world was made, and I waited for this day when you would see your sin for what it is, death. He said, I have good news for you. I have already paid the price. I have paid the price to bring you back from death. I took the beatings. I took the insults. I took the bloodshed that you deserved when I deserved none of it. I walked through the loneliness and the pain and abandonment. I took all the shame on myself, all the things that you right now know that you deserve. I took for you. I paid the price. And there is nothing that you could ever do to earn that. There's nothing you could ever achieve that would erase what you've done. And there's nothing you could ever do to erase what I did for you. And I cried out. Because that bad man was me. And I cried out to Jesus, and Jesus entered my heart and my life, and he created a clean heart in me and renewed a right spirit in me. He gave me his Holy Spirit. He promised me eternal life, and I stand here before you today redeemed and justified and sanctified by him, in him, and through him, and because of him. Amen. This is what I remember on this Sunday, on this day. I remember this every year, and I need to remember it every day. Because we go through this time every year, and we hear about Jesus, and we hear about him dying on the cross, and we hear about his resurrection, the sacrifice that he made to make all things new. And, and, and it's a glorious thing. It's beyond glorious. But for many of you and for me in this room, it's so much more than just a historical fact. It's so much more than just amazing. It is the essence of life. It is life. Through Adam, sin entered the world. And through every person in this room, no offense, sin has remained. Offense, you can take offense. It's okay. We've all been rebels. We've convinced ourselves that we're okay. Somehow, every day, we have to do something to convince ourselves that we're okay. The world has been busy justifying every kind of evil for thousands of years. We have conspired with each other. You know what a conspiracy is? As an attorney, um, you, you deal with criminal law, you learn all about it, and you learn about conspiracies. And conspiracies are just basically a bunch of people who get together in unison to plan a crime. They get together to, to plan it and to achieve a crime. And we have been conspiring with each other for thousands of years, basically saying, I won't call you out on your sin. I won't call you out on your stuff. I won't say anything about you if you don't say anything about me. It's implied. It's a conspiracy that we never actually talk about, but we live it out every day. Now, in our current culture, we've taken even further steps. We're not the first culture to have done so. But we've taken even further steps, and we've actually justified evil as normal, even celebrated it, whether it's sexual morality or pornography or abortion or euthanasia or alcohol and drug abuse or lying or cheating or stealing or war or oppression or racism or sexism. Any one of these things out there somewhere has a champion who will tell you that that thing is okay, that it's all right, or at least it's okay in certain circumstances. Or maybe they'll say, yeah, it's bad, but all you need to do is forgive yourself and move on. As if you could forgive yourself 
for something you did against God. Try going down the street, smacking someone in the face, and when they get mad, say, don't worry, I forgave myself. (laughs) Something tells me it's not going to work. The offense wasn't against you. We have been at war against God as rebels, saying we don't want the chains of morality. We don't want to live in the world the way that you've made it. We want to do it our own way. We want to do what we want. And this has been going on forever since Adam. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 2. This is at the beginning of the the chapter. Why do the nations rage and the people plot, conspire? A vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, who is Jesus, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. They're saying, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, God up there, you've told us that this is the way things have to be, but we're going to break those bonds. We're going to cast those cords away. We're going to do what we want. And what is God's reaction? He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. He will treat them and look at them as the, the, the nonsense people that they are, thinking that they can break the nature of the universe. Then he shall speak to him in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And I told you this story about this man who was me, and I came to that place where I realized that it was time The time had come for me to reap what I had been sowing. And I was distressed. I was distressed in God's deep displeasure with me. And for thousands of years, people have looked to God for help. They knew they were broken. They knew the world was broken. And they looked to God for hope and for help, knowing that they didn't deserve it. And among a certain chosen people, A prophecy was announced of a king who would come and take the sins of the world away. That time and place were set. And over 2,000 years ago in the city of Jerusalem, the king arrived. Not to bring judgment. That's still coming. He came to save those who were crying out for salvation. And he died. And three days later, He rose from the dead. Now, these are historical facts. For those of you who are skeptics who who might be here today sort of wondering whether all this is true or whether it's really about bunnies and eggs and all that kind of stuff, or did, did, did Jesus really rise from the dead? If you're seeking that out, go on our website, go to seekingskeptics.com. Um, and watch our Resurrection Sunday message from 2016, where I go through all the facts and I go through it in detail. Why we know that Jesus both died on a Roman cross and rose from the dead three days later. It's a fact. It's a fact. Jesus came and died and rose again. But what I want you to understand today is what it means to you. What does it mean to you that Jesus rose from the dead? How should it affect your heart that Jesus rose from the dead? 
I'm going to start with an example. There was a group of people who have often been oppressed in history. Okay? And they certainly were oppressed at the time that Jesus died and rose again. It was the group of people I'm talking about are women. Women were very oppressed. During the time of Jesus' death and resurrection, women were treated very, very poorly. Men would literally pray, thank you, God, that you did not make me a woman. That's rough. That's rough. Women were considered to be uh, so unreliable that they couldn't even testify in court. They were oppressed. They were not treated well, but Jesus came and he had turned that upside down. He turned it upside down. He treated women equally, more than equally, lovingly. He spent time with them. They were part of his ministry. He didn't care what the culture was saying. He loved them and he cared for them. He had no regard for the way that the world treated them. He was showing what it was really like. And there was a woman named Mary Magdalene. And for her, this must have been amazing because she had lived a life in this culture as a woman in oppression. And Jesus, the Son of God, had shown her love like no one else could. But then on that day, so many years ago, he was killed. He died on a cross. And I have to believe that her hope for feeling valued as a person died with him. Because he wasn't there anymore. Let's pick up the story in John chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. When they said to her, then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Now, in that story, the most powerful part of that passage for us, the most powerful thing that happened in that passage is a place where Jesus says her name, Mary. I can imagine the joy she must have felt at that moment. This woman who had finally found the one where she found her value, God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. She finally had felt value in a place, in a culture that had constantly pushed her down in a place in a culture where she knew that she was never going to receive the value that she deserved because she was a child of God, but she wasn't going to get it. She was oppressed. And for some of you, for all of us, we have struggled with our value. We have struggled with what we're worth. For some of us, like Mary, the world and culture have oppressed you. You've been told just in general by culture that 
You're not worth much because of where you are or what you look like or how much money you have or where you were born, what you do for a living or, or whatever it happens to be. Culture has oppressed you. For some of you, your value has been primarily wrapped up in what other people think about you. For some of you, your value has been in finding the right spouse or the right job or having enough money. For some of you, drinking and drugs and gambling and sex and hobbies and Netflix and whatever have been a way for you not to have to think about the fact that you are suffering in pain from not feeling valued. And every person here, our sin, our rebellion, the selfish, prideful thoughts and attitudes of our hearts and the actions that we have taken, the pain that we have caused have made us feel empty and broken and ashamed and afraid. We get angry at other people because they offend us. We're, we're constantly in turmoil. We do anything and everything to try to live with our hopelessness, whatever it takes to do that. But in the night or in the morning, in that time when you're alone by yourself, you know you're in trouble. You know things aren't right. And like all those people for thousands of years that were crying out, we're looking to God and saying, save us. Save us from our sin. Save us from the idols that we've built to try to find our value. We've tried to break these chains and these cords of righteousness so that we could not do that and we still wanted to live how we want and not have the consequences. We wanted to have our cake and eat it too, but it has failed. And we cry out, save us, Lord. Save us, Lord. And some of you today, maybe you're not there. Maybe you're not there for some of you. I know that there was a time, as I said, when I thought I was okay. Some of you were like, yeah, I'm here because mom's going to make a ham after this. <laughs> right? And ham is legit. I mean, it's not my favorite, but, you know, no offense, Mom. I, you know, I could have. No, I like him. Some of you are here because somebody dragged you here. And for you, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm okay. Certainly better than my neighbor or the person sitting next to me or whoever it is. Maybe the resurrection is interesting to you. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's kind of neat, one of many ways for people to think about the greatness of the universe. But in your mind and heart, it's not necessarily for you. It's not your thing. And all I want to do is I want you to ask yourself a question for those who feel like you're actually okay. Things are okay. You've got it figured out. Are you sure? Are you sure that you don't need Jesus? Are you sure that if you were standing before a perfect and holy God, you would be able to, with a straight face, say, no, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm doing just fine. I got it figured out. Because the God who rose from the dead says otherwise. He says you're a sinner. He says your righteousness is like filthy rags. That the best things that you think you're doing out there, filthy rags. It's nothing compared to holiness. You're not okay. You're not ready to stand before him without the gift that Jesus gave me and that he's given so many of you in this room here today. You need Jesus. This is not a, a fun bumper sticker. You need Jesus, right? That's not, that's not what this is. This is the basic truth 
that will change and transform your life into something you could never have imagined for yourself. You need Jesus. And for every one of us here today, here's the thing. The good news is that God is saying your name. He's saying your name. Jesus is saying your name. He's alive. He's proven he's God. He's proven that his promises are true. That's why we're here today. His resurrection was proof of that, and that means, that means this. This is what he's promised. He loves you. He wants you. He's done the work to save you. His ways are what's best for you. The good man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of kings, through whom all things, including every one of us, was made and created, is saying your name. The one who created galaxies knows you. And he's calling out your name like he did for Mary, saying, I love you. I have always loved you. From the moment I formed you in your mother's womb, I have loved you. I knew you before the world was made, and I waited for the day when you would realize that your sin equals death. And I have good news for you. I've already paid the price. I have bought you back from death. I took the beatings and the insults and the bloodshed that you deserved when I deserved none of it. I walked through the loneliness and the pain and the abandonment. I took all the shame on myself and all that you now know that you deserve, I paid. And there is nothing that you could ever do to earn that. And there is nothing you could ever achieve that would erase the things you've done. And there's nothing that you could ever do to erase what he has done. And if you'll cry out to Jesus in your heart, Jesus will enter your heart and your life. He'll create a clean heart in you and renew a right and a live spirit in you. You will be his and he will be your Lord and your savior because you need to be saved. I know that normally I tell more jokes and things like that in this teaching time and we have a little more fun, but today is Resurrection Sunday and this could not be more important. This is something that you need to understand. This could not be more serious for your life. Jesus is calling your name. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? For those of you who do not know Jesus, those of you who are still absolutely in the driver's seat of your life, there's no room for God, other than maybe I come to church every once in a while or I you know, talk about you know, religion or spirituality or something like that, but God isn't really in control. God's maybe the person you go to when things are going bad and like fix it, that type of thing, but he's not in control. You have not surrendered your life to him. At the end of that psalm we read earlier in Psalm 2, it says this, blessed are those who put their trust in him, and we are blessed beyond imagination who have done so. For those of you who have not fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. You, you know Jesus. You've accepted him. You've called him for salvation, but you're still holding on to control. You're still doing things your own way. Today is the day to move forward. Today is the day to fully put your trust in him. He is risen. We need to live in that today. We need to live in that every day. As I was preparing this week for this message, which is not a complicated message, as is often the case, I've told you before, whatever I'm going to preach on, usually that's what's going to hit me, right? I told you I was going to preach on getting a private jet. I didn't put that one together. I was hoping that would hit me. Um, but as I was preparing for this, 
I was really struggling for, you know, and I don't, I don't often, with just the pain and the shame of my past sin that sometimes Satan wants to attack you with, just wants to bring you down. And it was, it was as I was prepping this message and as I was preparing it that God was just again just telling me, you're mine. You're mine and I'm yours. For, for every person here, there's those times where you feel lonely or, or where you're facing things or where difficult things or bad things happen in your life. There's that time when you wonder, am I alone here? Am I all by myself? Is there anyone that is truly there for me? You might be married. You might have a great marriage. You might have a fantastic spouse. You might have great kids. You might have great friends, but you know in your heart that they're human beings and that at any time, for any number of reasons, they can fail you and probably will. They can betray you and probably will and that you may be or they could pass away and we suffer the loss of that. And once again, we're alone. And Jesus, in his resurrection, has proven that there is eternal life. And he has proven all that he said. And he said, I'll be with you. He said, if you will just do one thing, this is all you need to do. I've done all the work. Jesus has done all the work. He said, all you need to do is one thing. Follow me. Repent. Turn away from that lifestyle where you're in the driver's seat and you do everything and turn towards me and I will save you and I will make you new and I will begin a work in you that I will be faithful to complete and you will never be alone and you never have to be afraid and you never have to be ashamed and you never have to worry about the things that everybody else is worrying about, all these things that were crying out, save me. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. The death that I, that I gave for you and my resurrection is proof to you that you can live in peace and hope. I know it's, you know, I'm getting it's kind of serious and, and all that kind of stuff, and some of you are thinking about that ham that you're going to have, and I'm going to wrap up here pretty quick. This is going to be a shorter one. I just want us to take the time in our own heart. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, if he's tugging on your heart, either you're not a believer yet, you haven't followed Jesus Christ, you haven't really chosen to do that, Today's the day for you. This could be the biggest day of your life. This could be your spiritual birthday. You could be made alive spiritually. And if you don't know what that is and you don't know what that's like, you need it. You need Jesus. It is an amazing thing to know that whatever comes against you, all you need to do is look to Jesus. That whatever happens, no matter how bad it is, and if there's any example of that, it's the apostles all of whom basically, except John, were killed, died, and yet they had joy in their life. John, of course, boiled in oil, so maybe he didn't get killed, but that's not fun. I mean, I'm guessing. It's not something I'd want to do. They all suffered. They all saw other people suffer. They all lost friends, family. They all, they all paid, and the reason that they did so is they did so because they had a hope that was so much better than this world. If you think right now, no, I'll figure it out. Things are going to get better, and they're going to keep getting better, and I just need a little bit more money or just a little bit different job, or I just need that, uh, you know, that guy to, to like me or that girl to like me, or I just need this thing to happen or that thing to happen, and it's all going to be okay. I don't really need Jesus. Let me just tell you, I've had all of it. I've had all of it, all the things that people think that they want, and there's nothing 
that compares to Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And with him, you can have it all or have none of it and still have the joy in your heart that is unbelievable. And so if you're looking for joy today, if you're looking for hope today, if you came in here and you're hopeless, helpless, hey, welcome to the club. It's called being a human being. And there's an answer for that. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Resurrection Sunday is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of your spirit, which is dead, if you don't know him. Well, thanks for listening to that Acts Church sermon. We hope you got a lot out of it. If you did, we'd love it if you would comment or uh, give us a review or give the track a like. Uh, It really means a lot to us to hear back from people who have um, heard these sermons and have been impacted by it. So share your story with us. Share what is happening in your life um, that this is speaking into. And remember, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or through SoundCloud so that you can get all of our releases as soon as they come out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more next week.